Welcome back, everybody, to the Free Mind Show. I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. I only Are you frozen? Did they, did they put the brain chip that in you? Get you get you stuck. All right, y'all. Well, we got a very very special episode for for the for the for the fam tonight. Maybe episodes. I'm actually thinking we're gonna have to split this up because okay. I, I anticipate it going long. You know what so that means y'all. He's gonna be long. That's right, long winded. Um, but I got my Star Wars. Which I love. <laughs> you love you love that, right? I'm just yeah. Uh, but I got my Star Wars hat on tonight. If you're watching, uh, because we're gonna be talking about one of the evil villains of our day, Brother Klaus Schwab. I guess I shouldn't yeah. call him brother. Um, yeah. uh, humanoid clash. <laughs> uh, but anyways, no, you know, uh, going to get to that. But before we hop into that, um, I wanted to start with this other interesting story that came up this week. This uh, hockey player, um, a guy named, I don't, I'll probably mess up his name, but Ivan Provorov, Provorov. I don't know. I don't, I don't follow hockey and I'm not sure how to say his name, even if I did, but, um, but anyways, supposedly he would not, uh, I don't know if he wouldn't wear something or if he wouldn't stand for the head pride night on the hockey thing. And we saw just little clips of, we didn't, I didn't spend a whole lot of time looking into this, um, story. And do you remember anything about it in particular? I don't. Okay. Well, I think we saw only that whatever he was getting a lot of backlash at first. He was getting a bunch of pushback. Yeah, like you know. And for his own convictions, he did not bow down to the pride flag or the right or do whatever he was supposed to do, like like the rest of the team did. And and even I think afterwards they had like a press conference with his coach or something like that. And um, his coach was even saying that they, if I remember correctly. They were asking him like, well, "What are you going to punish him, or what are you going to do? Like, how, yeah. what's, your, what's the response of the organization?" And and he was careful to say, "Well, the organization, you know, stands with the movement, but I give him freedom." And basically, it was kind of cool. Like, the, on, on the one hand, I thought the coach was was actually stronger than a lot of coaches would yeah. be. Yeah, he said um, it's, he's going to let him stand by his own convictions. Right. And- right. I thought that was cool too. And yeah, that was pretty cool. And then I, I heard interviews with Yvonne later where he was saying the you know a similar thing. You know, he was like, "Well, this it's my religious beliefs," and I think the coach said that term too because I want to okay. come back to that his religious beliefs. Um, but I thought it was interesting that you know one of the things that whole scenario does is it reminds us that it's not whether you're going to have a moral system in place as a society, it's which system are you going to have in place? Um, which, not not whether you're going to have blasphemy laws, but which blasphemy laws. Mm-hmm. So basically, Yvonne blasphemed, you know, or he, you know, he, he, he committed this sin against this movement of inclusivity that has become central to the religion of our secular humanist society, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, I think what this exposes again is the fact that this kind of, the the myth of neutrality, as people sometimes call it, that you can have a society that basically has like a, a naked public square that's just secular that everybody can kind of agree on and they can keep their sort of private beliefs about the other stuff separate out of that public square. And we can all kind of coexist or live happily together, um, but but what this what this exposes is that's just a myth. Yeah. 
Yeah. It can't happen. There's got to be a, a a moral system of sort, a worldview telling us about the nature of reality and what's right and wrong and what we ought to do, what we ought not to do is going to be imposed yeah. on people. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the mistakes we make, I think, as Christians is like um, they'll say, you know, are you trying to imp- impose That's your right. morality on yeah. us by, you know, for instance, trying to get um, trying to make abortion legal or something like that. Are you trying to impose your morality. Now, the answer should be yes, <laughs> we are, because all laws come from a moral framework. Mm-hmm. Um, so the should question that well, 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 that's what I'm saying yeah. It's not even should. They will come from a moral framework. From a moral yes, framework. Gotcha. Yes. You Very know what good. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't escape that. For sure. Um, that doesn't mean that all morale, that every immoral thing should be illegal. That's a that's another yeah. question. But it is to say that. Mm every law is an imposition of somebody's morality Ooh, upon yeah, the populace. And yeah, so what we see here is like this, this idea, like it's becoming more and more like I, they're trying to put it in law, you know? So not only like, will the society look down on you, which is kind of where it was with Yvonne, but they, they want to make it illegal. And that's part of this push. Um, and so that's just a good reminder again, that what, what Wilson says over at Moscow is true. It's either Christ or chaos. Like either Christ rules a society and you implement things according to his ways, according to God's ways, or chaos will follow and that will be implemented. And so you see that clearly in this case where Yvonne is like, man, people are serious, like with a serious face. What are they going to do to punish this guy? That's what they're asking. Yeah. You know, and these are the same people that 10 years ago would say, oh, you should never you know yeah people should be free you know it's 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 pretty wild so that was one aspect of it and to highlight i just want you know seinfeld we talked about the the prophetic nature of c.s lewis but i also maintained that (laughs) that old brother seinfeld was always prophetic so i want to uh i want to play y'all a little something here real quick if i can if i can pull this up let's see this will be instructive Okay, you're checked in. Yeah, thank you. Here's your AIDS ribbon. Uh, no thanks. You don't want to wear an AIDS ribbon? Uh, no, no. But you have to wear an AIDS ribbon. I have to? Yes. Yeah, see, that's why I don't want to. But everyone wears the ribbon. You must wear the ribbon. What you are? You're a ribbon bully. Hey, <laughs> hey you, come back here! Come back here and put this on! Hey, where's your ribbon? Oh, I don't wear them. You don't wear the ribbon? Aren't you against AIDS? Yeah, I'm against AIDS. I mean, I'm walking, aren't I? I just don't wear the ribbon. Who do you think you are? Put the ribbon on. Hey, Cedric, Bob, this guy won't wear a ribbon. Who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? (laughs) So, what's it going to be? Are you going to wear the ribbon? No, no, never. But I'm wearing the ribbon. He's wearing the ribbon. We are all wearing the ribbon. So why aren't you going to wear the ribbon? This is America. I don't have to wear anything I don't want to wear. What are we going to do with him? I guess we're just going to have to teach him to wear the ribbon. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's finished. Oh, I told him he'd never make it. He was up all night. Oh, my God. Kramer? (laughs) 
Look at you. I told you. Up all night playing poker. Come on. Hey, where's your age ribbon? <laughs> so, Seinfeld, always prophetic, right? That old Michael Richards, he's a, he's a strange <laughs> brother, but he could do he, he was hilarious on that, that uh, physical comedy. But anyways, that, that's, that, that uh, clip actually worked really well for the masks as well. <laughs> but I think it was fitting. I immediately thought about that when I thought about this guy, like for the LGBT thing, yeah. that, you know, standing. But it's just it's perfect. But, you know, so that's, that's one aspect of it. it. It exposes the myth of neutrality. Mm. The second aspect of it is... And, and this isn't a critique of Yvonne because he actually, you know, I, I admire his courage to stand like that. But this is to pull out a, uh, a thread that's so common that we don't think about it. But when his coach and him respond about it, this is his religious belief. Okay. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that immediately? I think at first we, we wouldn't catch that. Mm-hmm. But what does that, what does that communicate to you? I don't know. You don't know? Mm-mm. Yeah, so I think... What do you mean? Yeah, it hit, it hits me because I think it's part of that religious belief as as faith. This is part of his faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but the LGBTQ movement often tries to ground itself in science okay, and philosophy. So in other words remember the false dichotomy that that scientism always wants to put on us is that we have knowledge you guys have faith and so when we're talking about um elements like that and taking a stand i think one of the mistakes we need to avoid as christians is backing into faith language or religious language um because the real question is not whether it's just part of his privatized religion because immediately that's why that's why they're going to come back and say, well, this is a public space. And what we're talking about is public policy. And this is grounded in knowledge of what's good. They're making ethical claims that they think are objective. Right. Mm-hmm. That inclusion, quote unquote, or okay. um, giving a space to people that they, quote unquote, call um, sexual minorities. Like this is an ought. This is a moral ought. So if you if they play that card and then you play the well, my religion says this, then it's like, OK, well, what you've done is you've given them too much leeway in this whole cultural battle. You've said, I'm, I'm willing to back into my shelter of religion because I still have quote unquote freedom of religion for the time being. And I'm willing to give ethics and objectivity and truth and knowledge to you guys, but just make sure you don't encroach on my religion. So we've given away the the game really by saying, this is my private religion. Respect that. Mm. Um, Now that's better than nothing. This is my religion, public, private, respect that is that still immoral because of the i think the well so you know I, I mean yeah and i don't uh, what i'm not saying is that it's bad i'm saying it's um it's it's not the best way to go it, um okay. in this in this dialogue because it's already been framed for us to think like faith and religion is something that you don't have knowledge of it's okay. something that you either arbitrary believe or it helps you or it makes you feel good that's fine as long as you keep it between your ears and keep it at home mm-hmm. 
So if you say, well, this is my religion and use that as a protection mechanism, I get why they do it because still there's enough legal right, protection around freedom of religion of that, yeah. to be able okay. to appeal to that. But I think we need to go beyond that is what I'm saying and reclaim um, the center of the fight, not to back to the edge and say, well, I'm going to give you 90% of this circle we're in. Just give me this little spot on yeah. the side. So what, what we, what we need to say in these, in these, circumstances and you know we don't always have time to say this either so i'm just giving an, an analysis in a way of thinking about it but what we what we need to note is either god exists or he doesn't right that's a true or false statement mm -hmm. if god exists he either created things or he didn't mm -hmm. if if he created things he designed human sexuality according to a certain design plan or he didn't if he did then that carries moral norms with it so it carries moral norms or it doesn't. Now, what I want to say then is it's, I'm, I'm not doing this not merely because it's my religion, but I'm not going to stand for sexual anarchy because it's immoral. Okay. To do so. See, that's a much stronger statement, right? And that's going to put you into a bigger war because now not only am I saying respect my right to refrain because of this privatized belief I have yeah. now I'm saying no I'm not going to do it because what you guys are actually doing is wrong mm. that's that's way stronger but I think that's more accurate and it gets out of um, it gets out of this thing that that's been pushed on us by framing religion in terms yeah, of faith and redefining faith, not bookly, but redefining it as a blind leap into the dark about things which we don't have knowledge about. Mm, really Does that make good. sense? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's just what I would encourage. Like, you know, you have to use wisdom to know when, but I, but I do think that's a point that like. That's something that we probably wouldn't even catch most of oh, the time. No, I thought about it maybe a long time ago, but it's it was um, refreshing to hear somebody this late in the battle still yes. stand and not bow to that. I was like, yep. wow, that's that's the old fight. But yeah. to hear about him saying no, and to even hear him like address the media, calm, just chill yep. about it. I was like, huh. Who's that guy? Where'd he come from? Yeah, that, man. But yeah, but that's a good thought to remember. Like, you know, this, my religion or my faith pretty much says that what y'all are doing is, is wrong. It's this. Yes. So yeah, okay. Yeah. And, 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 conviction. and my religion in, and I'm not even saying that as though like my, my religion says it's wrong. It like, is wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. It is just, yeah, just make yeah, a like, statement. Yeah, yeah, like, like God he is there and he and he on, claims somebody. that it's wrong like he's part of reality yeah. just like the tree For is sure. or just like the 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 you know the virus we can look at a microscope at like the same way we would talk about like two plus two equals four we need to talk about ethical truths in that light yeah. and they, they're grounded in the nature of god and the in what we talked about with the Tao and the rational and moral order that's in embedded universe. into the universe absolutely now so so i want to i want to applaud like you said i want to applaud what they did but say but sure here's what we need to do going forward that's really good. and and test them on it like it, it, if you're going to hold to a secularist viewpoint they have no moral frame to stand upon and say that inclusion is good mm. and that doing anything is objectively right or wrong 
they're just trying to they're trying to impose an ethic with no foundation. Mm, yeah. And I, I'm going to push back against that. That's how I think we have to go further in taking ground back. Otherwise, we're just going to back up and back up and back up. And eventually we'll realize we have like an right. inch that we're trying to stand on until they close us out yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's a that's a stark, strong comment, even in 2023 or in 2023, to say that sexual immorality is morally wrong. Right. Of all kinds. And I'm trying to, across the board. It's yeah. Because um, they're pushing it. Yeah, man. It's, in, it's everywhere in movies and TV yeah. shows and theaters and public schools and they're indoctrinating yeah. kids so it's like you know and that's what all of the pushback at the school board meetings are about the yeah. parents who still c- claiming their morality and their their um convictions doing yes that. But yeah, no and that's, that's good. good and, that's I, really and good. so that's what i want to say yay on those convictions learn how to ground them okay um in a worldview and learn how to challenge people's convictions that have no way to ground them according to their worldview and that's where that's where the presuppositional apologetics are, are, are I think, pretty helpful. Can we say you're a inclusion <laughs> bully? <laughs> and I'm not wearing the inclusion. They should have just said you're, you're a dog face pony soldier. Um, but Sorry. you know, no, okay. it's it's. But but in essence, yeah. that's all they have is the ability to bully because what it is, they're trying to put an ideology on everybody. And that's that's cool if the ideology is true. Yeah. But sexual anarchy, this idea that there is no no such thing as objective morality and sexuality, and that's man and woman in marriage for life, yeah. undermining that by pushing this agenda, I, we need to stand against it and say no. This has no basis in ethics or science. Preach. Not just that it's my religious personal belief. Yeah. So anyways, really that, that was some thoughts that came out of that. But that the, the main thing I wanted to hop on and, and start today was the World Economic Forum, Ooh, Forum, Forum, here we Forum, go, y'all. Forum. Uh, <laughs> Push your echo button. Right? Push, Push your echo, echo button. Okay. But, you know, I, I had been thinking for a while. I talked to you about this a while back about doing like um, – like a whole series on this and I knew I would have to do it on rumble because you know as soon as you go down this road the the uh, the gangsters over at Google and YouTube would, would yank it off so um, they, they're not having it they don't they don't like that kind of exposure um, but you know I thought man I just I, I don't know I was trying to decide because you get into some weeds when you when you start talking about this stuff and, and it can kind of mess with people it, it can it can be a dark thing and it can be like a murky thing and an ambiguous thing, like at at times trying to figure out what all is involved. But I saw it popping off this week, like on Twitter and everything, like everybody started talking about because the Davos, yeah, the world economic forum, because, um, in Davos, Switzerland, their yearly conference was happening. I, I didn't realize it was actually currently going on until I saw them. Everybody starting to post little clips from it. And so, um, actually got a couple couple of funny clips I might play later I would love too. to know the percentage of people that go that are against what they're doing yeah just to in, just to see and know and infiltrate or just I'm just yeah curious yeah about that. no it would be that that that's actually an interesting question but um yeah so it's going on and I was seeing all this just uh energy about or not energy but like uh, activity 
surrounding it on Twitter, which I, I, that's another story. I did sign up our free mind on Twitter. Jeez. And man, getting back in that world, it felt like like going into a gunfight in the wild, wild it's west, man. It's, it was crazy. So, but I got on there and I saw okay. people talking about it and I was like, wow, this is new. Cause you know, probably, I don't know, a year ago, we would ask people, like, hey, have you heard of Klaus Schwab? Have you heard of Nuval, okay. uh, Yuval Noah Harari? Have you, are you familiar with the policies of the World Economic Forum? And most of the time, we, people wouldn't be that familiar, right? Mm-hmm. True. And just normal conversation. Every now and then you'd hear somebody and they, and they go deep. <laughs> but you're like, True. oh, wow, they're, they're like, True. they're, okay. they're, they're but, on to what's yeah. going on here. But it wasn't, it wasn't typically like, a, a, Excuse me. I didn't find it to be like a household kind of knowledge thing. So it surprised me when I saw it going on Twitter viral like it was. Okay. And then the other day I turned on Ken and Press and I was watching a, a talk with Jared Longshore and James White. James White, you know, real well-known apologist in the reform circles. And he was even talking about Harari in World Economic Forum. And I said, whoa, that's, that's kind of okay. something it's to hear, you know, these kind of sober scholars um now talking about these guys they're starting to come more in the mainstream consciousness that's true because when you would bring it up you you'd sound so crazy right when you merely touch upon what they're about i'm not going to give it away no 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 but that's that was it so it's cool to know that okay we're not just crazy conspiracy theorists that are making up this villain in real life it's this is a real live person Doing yeah. these things. Okay, go ahead. No, 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 you're right. So that's why when I saw everybody talking about it, I was like, well, I might as well go ahead and, and just jump in here. I hadn't had time. Like, I wanted to put together a real systematic presentation, but I thought, well, we're just going to have to run and gun because it's already, okay. it's, sometimes you just got to jump in the moment, right? Sure. Go ahead. So we're going to jump in the moment. And speaking of, you know, conspiracy theory, I think, you know, as, as I've been thinking about that, we did an episode on that last season about the nature of conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And so one of, one of the things about, you know, if you just think about it's a theory about a, a particular conspiracy that might be going on. What is a conspiracy? It's usually like a hidden thing, to a hidden agenda to bring about some aim, often nefarious. <laughs> um, we know that conspiracies happen. Um, they even happened in the Bible. We pointed that out. Like such, and it would say uh, that these guys conspired against these guys, or Joseph's brothers conspired against. You know, they had this hidden plan to do something evil. Um, so conspiracies do happen. Sometimes they're actually really big. Like you have these mafia conspiracies that are all of a sudden uncovered and and they find the boss or the drug cartels like sometimes there's major conspiracies where there there are moles and there are people they plant within police departments all that kind of stuff we know that that happens um and and theories oftentimes like even detectives will engage in that kind of stuff to to look at various evidence and see like what is what is the best way to explain this this uh this group of data or facts um and oftentimes that the explanation of that will be some sort of conspiracy. If you want to grow in your confidence in knowing what you believe and why you believe it, if you want to ground your faith in biblical Christianity and step into who God has called you to be, I want to tell you about a great program put on by Impact 360, and it's called Propel. 
Propel is a one-week transformational leadership and discipleship experience where high school students gather together to be grounded in a biblical worldview as they learn how to follow Jesus, have a godly influence, learn how to disciple their peers, and boldly live out their faith in their daily lives. So they're having two sessions this summer. The first one is June 19th through the 25th, and the second one is June 26th through July 2nd. These programs fill up really quickly, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we'll put the link below if you're interested in looking into it, and we'll see you this summer. All right, we're back. Uh, Nerva had a coughing fit. I but, did. Uh, <laughs> I had to go work it out. I think we're back in action. You all right, babe? <laughs> I'm great. Thanks. All man. right, back to conspiracy theories, by the way. <laughs> See? Uh, okay. Um, that 5G network must have... <laughs> <laughs> we could go but, uh, far with this. But uh, okay. a- anyway, so the idea is like, yeah, there there are conspiracies do sometimes happen. And sometimes, you know, theorizing about them can be more or less um, you can have more or less plausible theories with regard to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what you have to be careful about is there there is this part like the, the reason calling someone a conspiracy theorist is so powerful is because it makes you feel like you're um, gullible. Like it, it, it yeah. trades on that fear of being stupid or being like someone who to, sure. it, like believes incredulous things that they shouldn't believe. I think it's starting to change some, don't you think? It is, but they still like, sure, they still they use still it. Like it still makes you, way. it still makes you feel like, like especially t- if you're in intellectual circles, cause you don't want to be like, you want to oh, be someone yeah. okay. who's really careful and you know, they, they, they have wisdom. They know how to adjudicate between issues and they don't buy, buy into wild theories. Like you don't want to be that person. Sure. Now there's, there's, there's a reason why we intuitively don't want to be that person. And it's because there is something one part of that is there there is like something that sometimes feels good about narratives that may or may not have a good fact basis but that are wild and speculative that pull pull different threads together in a way that like makes you feel like you've guessed this sure. like this big know. story like you're in the know and like you've put you've put all these pieces together and you've solved the puzzle. You're, you're bril- you brilliantly see behind yeah. the scenes what's so, going on. Yes. So there's out. kind of a high sometimes yeah. that can happen when somebody weaves a story together. Yeah. Um, and so we do have to be careful of that. Like we don't want to be drawn no. into things that don't have a good basis. They don't have good evidence for That's it. That's fair. That's really good. Um, and so we and we do have to understand we have a propensity to buy into things that suit our presuppositions. Um, so we have to be really careful with confirmation bias yeah. and too easily buying into grand narratives that don't that have a threadbare basis. evidential basis to mm-hmm. it. Does that make sense? Sure. Having said that, there's the conspiracy theorists, quote unquote, the people that have been being called that for the last five, ten years are batting like a thousand right now or at least like eight hundred. Like their 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 percentage is really high. And I would submit to you, though, that the reason is, is not so much that they're great at putting all these pieces together, but a lot of these so-called conspiracy theories aren't actually conspiracy. They're right in the open. So part of the conspiracies are to be hidden. But if these are hidden, they're hidden in plain sight. Because a lot of the stuff that you could, like, I'll give you, for instance, like the BLM thing. Sure. They had the fact that they were an Marxist organization was right on their website. Like all you had to do was go sure. to go to their headquarter website 
and read like their aims and you could see that they were a Marxist organization. So that when Patrice Kohlers actually came out and said, yeah, we're trained Marxists, it wasn't a surprise to anybody that had looked at that. That's not a conspiracy, though, because it's right there. It's just you had to take the time. It's no more a conspiracy than, I don't know, like find, like going to find out who's the president of CBS. Like it's just it's information that you don't necessarily know offhand, but you can go find it right there. You don't have to necessarily put together some grand scheme. So what, what I'm saying about that is there are lots of conspiracy theories, quote unquote, surrounding the World Economic Forum. But a lot of the really bad stuff that people are saying is not a conspiracy. It's right there. And that's what I want to show people okay. um, through our time together is like anybody can just go look this stuff up. Make sense? Sure. All right. So what I want to start with, um, I'm, I'm going to start real basic. And for some of you that have been following along with this, you might have already heard some of this stuff before. But I think even even elements of it will be either like a good reminder or it'll um, you'll think even if I was sorry, even as I was looking at this stuff the last couple of days, I was like, oh, I didn't know that part of it. So, okay. you know, just hold on with this. You'll, you'll hear some stuff I think that is, is pretty interesting. But recently, a, a gentleman by the name of uh, what's his name? Let me look here at the bottom. Larry, Larry Alex Taunton wrote an article, a, a four part article on the Great Reset and, and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. So let me let me pull this up. So you guys who are watching, if you are, uh, if you're just listening, and you do have the capacity to pop over to Rumble, um, it's gonna be a Rumble only episode, uh, pop over because I think you'll benefit actually from some of the the visuals here. Okay. Um, and oh, you'll be able cool. to read along with us. If not, that's fine, too. I'll try to do my best to to kind of give you a play-by-play -play for the audio only. But here's this uh, article here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it'll give a good basis, okay? It's so always that kind of same picture <laughs> right? <in> his face. <laughs> yes. He doesn't really... No, it's, it's he funny, right? He doesn't smile for the camera. No, he doesn't smile for the okay. camera. Um, and so you, I'm going to read this to you, Nervy. You're hearing this for All the right. first time. So this I want you to fresh just... Fresh ears. Yeah, fresh ears, blank slate. Here okay? goes. All right, go for it. Here's Larry. He said, when I began researching the series for the Daily Wire, side note, <laughs> Daily Wire, Crowder, uh, you know, that, ba yeah. that back and forth right now is pretty crazy. I haven't been able to do a deep dive or anything like that. But uh, I did see a tweet that was like, um, here's what you do with that controversy right now. Uh, cancel subscriptions to both and get a subscription to Canon Press. And I say, yeah, that's pretty ah, good. <laughs> that's funny. But no, I, you know, I've benefited from both of those organizations over the years in different ways and, and appreciate some of the elements of what they've done. Um, I've kind of moved beyond the Daily Wire for other reasons that I could talk about in another podcast, but okay. I just wanted to mention that. So when I began researching this series for the Daily Wire a couple months ago, I scarcely knew the depth of the rabbit hole into which I would descend. What started as a straightforward article about the octogenarian German engineer Klaus Schwab and his brainchild, the World Economic Forum, an organization he has chaired since its founding in 1971. Okay. Soon took on increasingly complicated dimensions involving academic papers on world governance, listen to these, on world governance and population control. UN reports on poverty, discussions of data and transhumanism, numerous conspiracy theories, world leaders, billionaires, obscure think tanks, and gargantuan ideas with egos to match them. 
So that's what kind of it, it, what swirls around. If, if you do research, all those items are kind of like where, where it's at. So where to begin? He says, and then it dawned on me to understand Schwab and the World Economic Forum, the WEF, from here on out. The place to start isn't Davos, Switzerland, where members of the forum and hangers-on meet annually. It's Utopia. Oscar Wilde once said that a map without Utopia on it wasn't worth consulting. Utopia, it was long assumed, lay in the distant past. The Hebrews called it Eden, the garden of innocence and spiritual perfection until man spoiled it. The Greeks, too, looked backward. With a kind of law of entropy at work in history, Plato and centuries of successors believed that the further one went back in time, the more perfect things became until one reached a golden age at the dawn of civilization. He spoke of the city called Atlantis, some taking his... Uh, allegory seriously tried to find it having no more success than Pizarro in his vain and bloody search for El Dorado I'm going to skip past this but I would um, I'll have this link in the show notes the article but the all four parts are very interesting but I just don't have time sure. to read them all okay. so um, let's see the the promise of a perfect world and the intellectuals of the day said it was possible was far too alluring and so the competition to build was on. But unlike Moore's and Plato's imaginary creations, these would-be utopias were all too terrifyingly real. At the same time that Lenin was building his utopia on the millions of Russian dead, Henry Ford was planning his model city, modestly named Fordlandia, hmm. in the interior of Brazil. Certain that progress was as much a constant of the universe as the laws of thermodynamics, the 20th century saw roughly half of the world wrecked by merely that promise. And then he has a picture here of George Orwell's 1984. Um, let me skip down some more here. But today with so many, he basically talks about just the failed, like utopian ideals of communism okay. and Marxism have just been, you know, devastating to the human race and, and into the earth. And so, but with today, he goes on, with so many failed attempts at societal bliss ending like a familiar James Taylor song, sweet dreams and flying machines and pieces on the ground, and not one country, city, town, or village to which we can point and say, see, there mm -hmm. lies utopia. We know better, right? Wrong. I give you Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. <laughs> wow. Quote, the future is built by us, says Schwab. I can't do the accents very well. But, it's built. But it's, it, it's a straight up evil villain accent when you hear him speak. But he says, this might come as a surprise to the planet's remaining 8 billion people who have not elected Schwab to so much as a dog, city dog catcher. Yet it was without any sense of irony or embarrassment that Schwab, like a true utopian, made this declaration with a brandished fist. One may reasonably deduce from this that Schwab is not an avid reader of Samuel Butler or, for that matter, Aldous Huxley, George Orwell, or the Bible. The statement was at the heart of his opening remarks for the May 2022 gathering of the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos. He said, the pandemic, is what Schwab said, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect Reimagine and reset our world. The WEF's motto is not like lacking in, in ambition, and it is committed to improving the state of the world. Most 
of us content ourselves with more modest girls like um, sorry more modest girls more modest goals <laughs> hey come on somebody like say improving your credit score or golf handicap regardless the wef's attitude toward democracy and he puts these in parentheses so if you're listening here's the wef's attitude toward democracy content toward national sovereignty passe toward patriotism that's fascist toward business should be government run and personal liberty uh, that's selfish this suggests a different agenda than world improvement Mm -hmm. whatever your theory on their goals they can say says schwab uh, sorry they can says schwab be achieved quote by a powerful community as you here in this room when he was talking to them and powerful they are more than 50 heads of state attended this year's meeting and to this leadership uh, add to this the leadership of alibaba blackrock wow. google microsoft and many other captains of industry and you have an and he links that there too uh, and you have an eyebrow raising convocation of power brokers collectively known as davos man a term coined by political theorist samuel huntington to rival any in international assembly hmm. And, and we talked a little bit about BlackRock, but that's kind of the number one trillions of dollars company and Larry Fink on the board of WEF. So that you see all these influential people there. All right, he continues. Like progressives everywhere, they, lo- they profess a love of man, but in the abstract. Mm. Instead of helping the person in front of them, as in the Christian model, they would save the hypothetical millions, or in this case, billions. It's either solve world hunger, poverty, and inequality, or nothing. <laughs> and according to Vanity Fair's Peter S. Goodman, it's nothing. In an interesting plot twist, he sees Davos as a sinister expression of right-wing politics, <laughs> as if Schwab's devotees were all MAGA hat-wearing conservatives. That's a, that's, a, that's a spin. Goodman neither condemns Schwab nor his WEF for their subversive globalist agenda. He condemns them for their hypocrisy in not fulfilling it. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to skip down here. Let's see. But all this begs the question, who is Klaus Schwab? What exactly is the World Economic Forum? What is the ideology driving them? And what is the Great Reset? So here I'm going to stop and, and, and pause and switch over to another website because he sets up kind of the question well. Um, but what I want to do is give you guys some tools you can begin to look at. So here's here's a here's a website, um, and I'm just going to look it up so you can you can actually go there with me. Let's see, time to freeamerica.com. You see me uh, click that there. You can um, scroll down the page a little bit, and it talks about the Great Awakening versus the Great Reset. All right. And it has all these boxes you'll see on there. Discover the truth about COVID-19, Great Reset, one button at a time. And it has all these boxes. So it has here uh, the CBDCs, the, the the digital currency they're rolling out. It has the, the truth about the two key people leading the Great Reset. It has the World um, Health Organization stuff with Fauci. So what I love about this site is when you click on these, it's, it goes to, it'll give you a video where they're talking about it. But a a lot of these videos are just these people actually talking. So they're extended clips of these guys talking, their links to articles, sometimes on their own website, sometimes on reporting it. So it's, so you're getting a lot of primary sources 
here, um, which is what you have to do when you're when you're when you're trying to understand the nature of something. You want to go as much as you can to the people themselves, let them speak for themselves, and then try to, you know, draw your conclusions from that. So, before I read on, which I'm going to read on a little bit more in this article later, I wanted to kind of um, click on some of these and just play it and, and talk through it. So here's the great reset agenda explained. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast today. If you're interested in hearing more about these crazy folks of the WEF, uh, go on and join us for part two. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you're on YouTube or Rumble. Um, give us a review if you're listening from on Apple in particular and it'll help us get the word out to more people and continue to grow and, and just have more impact. So thank you so much and we'll see you next time. I have a new-